0: Amen. Wow, Father, we love you, Lord and God. We thank you for that that night long ago, where God you stepped out of heaven, and God you placed your Son in the flesh, and the flesh and, and Father that um, to fulfill the wonderful plan, even as even as the writer had written that God this was planned long before that night. And God, it's so good to know that we we serve a Lord that has the whole world in your hand in His hands past, present, and future. And God let us be faithful. And God let us serve you. And God let us tonight, today, even. God just sense the power of your presence. Bless our time in Christ's name. Amen. And amen. Well what a what a powerful you know songs and 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 really we should be able to to sing Christmas carols all year long. You know, as you stop and think, and there's something that's just special about Christmas time. It just seems like around this time of the year that that everyone's heart begins to change. There just seems to be more joy. There seems to be more generosity. And boy, there's there's, some, there's some, something about it that as families gather, you're you're willing to lay aside some old stuff but then you wonder why shouldn't that be every day of the year and it should be for a believer the same thing that you know that 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 brings us that great joy this the the that that spirit of generosity the the laying aside of of hurts that should be how we live our life every day of the year and um and I just pray that that would be a desire of each of ours man it's so good to see everyone and and wow, for some of you, it's able to to be able to come home. It's good to see you, I see Karen and Tanner, our families come home. And and wow, I even saw snuck, saw snuck in the door somewhere. The Johnson family, where are the Johnson family? Where are they? Man, you stand up, let us see you out there. Or at least we want to see the babies, anyhow. Wow, we thank God for Summer and Dell and um, <laughs> they kind of snuck in the back door there. But boy, we we're so good to have. Them with us, any of you that's come home and, and um, to be with families. Well, what, what do you preach on, the, on the, the, the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's? Well, I was thinking about what the writer of Ecclesiastes, he says, you know, there's a time for all things. There's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to laugh, a, a time to cry. And I think that we do need to stop and, 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 and at specific times in our life, just take that moment. And, and use that for the glory of God. And as I was thinking, as I was praying through there, there's a verse that continued to come to my heart. As a matter of fact, it's one that you hear every month here as we stop and we share in the Lord's Supper together. It's a passage that, that, that Paul has, had written when he, was, when he was teaching the church of Corinth about the Lord's Prayer. And that's what I want you to do today. I want you to take your Bibles. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. And I want us to read these words. I want us to take them to heart. As a matter of fact, I might read that entire text about the, the Lord's Supper, give you a little bit of context, but there's one, one verse I really want you to, to grab hold on because I can tell you, it can, you can use it to change your life, or God can use it to change your life today. Let me give you the context of what's going on. Paul was writing to the church, the church of Corinth. That's in the bottom area of what we know as greece today is a very prominent city a very wealthy city it was a seaport city and so you can imagine you know where, where you had sailors gathering from all over the world and so there was a lot of wickedness within that city but god broke through through the preaching of the apostle paul and started a church there folks there's no place that, that that that's too god forsaken that god can't plant a people there As a matter of fact, God told the apostle Paul when at one time he was he was stirring. God told Paul in his ear, "I have my people here." Man, that's good to know. That wherever you are, that God has his people, that you're not alone. But these people, but but God had uh, a church had broke out there, and 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 Paul explained to him, "You're the most gifted of all churches." I mean, God had just poured out the spiritual gifts on that place. They were really blessed financially. They they. Um, they were a church that, that had a little bit of wealth to them. But can you imagine in a church where God is just breaking out that God has blessed so much that there were selfish people? Well, there was. As a matter of fact, some of them was thinking that I'm more important than these other people. I have greater gifts than you that, you know, I can, I've got the gift of preaching and, and you're just a servant. Well, let me tell you, folks, every person in the church is important. And, 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 and the only thing that God is looking for are how faithful are you in the gifts that God has given you. We're all important in God's eyes. But also, there, apparently, there were some people that, that, again, had more money than others, and, and it was kind of the us and them. And, and even when they gathered for the Lord's Supper or something as something part, as part of that, they just made a big banquet. They made a big party out of it. They, it's kind of like Christmas, you know, that we gather for Christmas and do all the stuff at Christmas, and we kind of forget what it's really all about. That's what had happened at the Lord's Supper. As a matter of fact, if you, if, if, if you had the means and you brought a lot of food, you know, you'd be eating up sumptuously, but then leaving the people that really didn't have any over to themselves. And Paul, Paul says, no, this is all wrong. You're taking something so precious and, and so holy as the Lord's Supper, and, and you are just making a joke out of it. And so Paul began to teach those people, the importance, and also the caution of approaching the Lord's Supper. And I'm saying this today because although this is around this idea of the Lord's Supper, folks, it should apply to every part of our lives. And it should apply apply to every day of our life. But let's look at this teaching as we're going to look today at what I would call a time to judge myself. Let's all stand together as we read. Now, I'm just going to start in verse 23. Uh, this just gives you the context, but then we're going to f- focus on verse 31. The Apostle Paul said these words, for he says, For I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do, in remembrance of me. And after the same manner, he also took the cup, and we had supped, saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood. This do ye as often as you uh, drink it in remembrance of me, for as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he comes. Folks, that's important stuff. I mean, I mean, this is a holy, this is a special time. But then he says, but then he says in verse twenty seven, but wherefore, whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And then he says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and many are sick. He says, many, many people, because you have dishonored the Lord's Supper, many of you are sick, and some of you have already died. God's serious about this, isn't he? He's serious about how we conduct ourselves. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. And then in verse 31, he says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we we are judged, we are chastened to the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the Lord. Wow. I want you to think about these words today. If we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Father, I pray that you'd take these words, and God, that you would just speak to our hearts, and God, that you'd speak to our lives. And God, I just pray that even at this season of the year, that, that we would take, and take a verse like this to heart. And God, that, 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 that we would just allow ourselves to be honest with ourselves and honest with you. And God, that you'd do a special work in each of our lives. God, you, you've blessed us so much. But God, let us not get so full of ourselves. That, God, to think that that, that we should not continually, continually judge ourselves. That, God, that we might be more like you. Father, bless this time in Christ's name. Amen. You know, probably one of the most difficult things for any person to do, whether man or woman or boy or girl, is to admit I'm wrong Or, or to admit that I got Areas in my life that that just aren't up to snuff. That goes against every grain of our selfish nature. It's very easy for us to point out issues in other people's lives, but boy, for me to stop and begin to admit issues in my life is extremely difficult. But you know that when we fail to do that, What we are doing is even as Paul says, we're doing nothing more than trampling on the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because what we're saying is, God, I didn't need you to die for me. I'm okay. And that's a dangerous place for every one of us to be in our life is to, to look in the mirror and just think, hey, I'm okay. Folks, the reality is none of us are okay. We're all broken people because we've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And that's exactly why Jesus Christ was born in this world. He was born of the virgin. He lived a righteous life. He died for sins that he did not commit. He died for our sins. You see, if we were okay, Jesus would not have had to come to die. If we were okay, our life would not be such a mess. If we were okay, we'd not not be dealing with all the anxiety we deal with. If we were okay, all of our relationships would be perfect. If I was okay, I wouldn't think of these hideous thoughts. If I was okay, I wouldn't let my anger get away with me. So I think we can all admit, hey, I'm not okay. And this is what the Apostle Paul was saying to this church. This church was a glorious church. And it had been very easy for Paul to pat them on the back and say, you're doing all these great things for God, but, but, but Paul would not let them get away with that. He says, you're abusing the things of God, and he says, you don't need to do that because not only are you harming God, but you're harming yourself. And what he was saying is that every time we come to eat at the Lord's Supper, should be a time that we should... Stop and judge ourselves before we, we, we partake. But I submit to you that should be something we do every day. As especially as we, we come to this end of the year, 2015, and you may look back and say, well, it was a great year. or You may you look back and say, well, man, it was a miserable year for me. I'm ready to turn the corner. But, folks, it's still a time that we should stop and we should take into account. You know, there's times just every week, every week in my life, I sit down with my my computer, with my quick and and I do an accounting of my finances. I reconcile my checkbook. Well, I don't have a checkbook anymore. I reconcile my finances. Why? Because I don't want my finances to get out of whack. It'd be very easy for me to make a mistake or someone else to make a mistake. And then if I wait till longer, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Folks, mistakes do not go away. They just get bigger over time. And that, whether whether in the financial world, whether it be in our spiritual world, whether it be in our relational world, that the folks, until and unless we stop and give an account, we'll never address those particular issues. Now, I just suggest to you, as we come to the end of 2015, that we should all just take a time and, and he, hear what the word of. God is telling to us through the Apostle Paul that, that, folks, it should be a time that we should stop and judge ourselves. And let's just talk about that for a moment. This idea of judging, what does that mean? I think it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul uses a word. Here he kind of makes a compound word. But um, in the area of judging, it, it, it means to really to take accounting, to make a decision about ourselves. But the word that he uses here, he, ha- he puts a preposition that means thoroughly. It means throughout. That there should be a time that, that we stop and we, we look and make a judgment throughout our lives. I mean, we need to examine our lives from top to bottom. Don't just take a glance at it, but it be, should be something that's very thorough within our lives. It's kind of like when I was thinking about that when they give you an example that when I was a kid, we loved to go trick-or-treating. Any of your kids ever go trick-or-treating? Now, you know, that was way before they gave the Snicker Bars and the Almond Joys and all of that stuff. You know, they'd give you this little hard candy and all of that stuff. But, boy, we'd go, and I, I'd always have a bag full of candy. And so for some reason, we, we used to gather back at my grandma's house, because it was Ronnie and Don and Jan and me, and we'd gather back there. And what we would do is we'd just, all of us, dump our bags out. And then I would begin to thoroughly go through all my candy to determine which was the good candy and which was the bad candy. I mean, who would give licorice to a child? I hated it. And I did not want that to get mixed up in my good candy. And I hated any candy with cherry because my, my asthma medicine when I was a child was cherry based. And I hated cherry because it made me think of medicine. And so what I would do is I would sit down, and and I'd dump all my candy out, and I I would go thoroughly through it, separating what I thought was the good and the bad. See, I was judging my candy, and I was going through it thoroughly, separating the good from the bad folks I suggest to you that may be what God is speaking that, that we need to do to uh, ourselves is we need to go through ourselves and thoroughly check our bags and separating that which is good and that which is bad and I think it's interesting that he said that we are to judge who? Ourselves well we know that in this whole matter of judgment that The Lord Jesus Christ himself is called the righteous judge. He is the one and the true judge. As a matter of fact, we know also from Matthew, the 7th chapter, verse 1, Jesus Christ says, judge not, lest you be judged yourself. And so we are condemned for judging others. We had no business bringing judgment because Jesus alone is the righteous judge. Jesus alone knows what's in the heart. Jesus alone knows what, what every situation is going on in a person's life. You and me do not know that when we judge someone else. Oh, folks, how I've judged people before not knowing what was going on in their lives. Or I've judged people before not knowing what the real situation was. And I was so very wrong. And I have to admit to you, that is something I have to deal with all the time. But he says the only person that I'll give you, I'll give you permission to judge, is yourself. He says if we would j- thoroughly examine ourselves. Wow. And I think that's a responsibility. I don't think that's only just a, a suggestion. I think that's a command that 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 we need to take heed to ourselves and, and the way that that's written in, in the imperfect tense that that is something that should be done continually in our lives. It's not something we just do that when we gather together for the Lord's Supper or even that we do that when we end the year like this. But that should be something that's going on in our lives on a constant basis. But I challenge you today to stop and 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 take heed to what the Apostle Paul is telling us about the importance that we continually thoroughly place an examination upon ourselves. Because why is that so important? I think first of all, it's very, very obvious why it's so important when we within this text and said, so, therefore, I need to deal with that first. Because first and foremost, why it's so important, because when we judge ourselves, it will free us from God's condemnation. That's pretty good news, isn't it? Folks, God is serious. God is a righteous judge, and and the only way that God can be a righteous judge is that that one day everything is going to be made right. There's no sin that's going to be forgotten. There's no sin that's not going to go unpunished. And that's the hope that I have as a believer, even when someone else does wrong against me, that one day that person is going to have to give an account of that. And I don't have to be the judge. God will judge that. And and what the Apostle Paul was telling this church, you need to be careful. He says, because of your wrongdoing, he already says, that's why many of you have been sick, and that's why many of you have even died. Now, I don't know about you, but that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. Because what that is telling me is, first of all, God simply will not allow his name to be continually desecrated. God is serious about holy things. And and, and him speaking on the Lord's Supper is a very holy, it's a very precious moment. It it helps us remember the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, And he does not want that to be profaned. God is serious about sin. I think we've forgotten that within our society. That God is serious about sin. You cannot play with sin and there be no consequences. Now, there's no doubt that he's speaking of a very serious type of an offense to him in in desecrating the Lord's Supper. But folks, I can tell you that trickles down to every sin that we have. Our sin will be judged. And God is the one who will judge that sin. So so one day, uh, there's going to be an account. That's why Christ came. That's why he died for the penalties of our sin. And, and thank God for that. But folks, just because God died for our sins, Jesus Christ died for our sins and and um, took our sins to the grave and arose and again, does not give me the permission to go out there and live like a hellion all my life. I'm sad to say there's some people that believe that. Well, I trusted Jesus as my Savior. My sins have been forgiven. Now I can go out and live like the heathen. You need to examine your salvation if you can do that. Because what you're doing is you're you're trampling on the cross. But God is very serious about sin. But also, I think it's very, very interesting that who is He speaking to? He's speaking to His church but also we need to understand that the reason that judging ourselves is, is, is so important is because also God will discipline his children. God, if you are truly a child of God, God loves you too much to let you to go and ruin your life in sin. And even the writer of Hebrews explained, every loving daddy, earthly daddy, is going to discipline his child. Listen to this, daddies. Every daddy who loves his children are going to discipline his children. Because he wants to correct them and correct that bad behavior. And God is the ultimate loving father. And that's why he says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, the writer says, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his sons. God will whip you and me if we are his children. And so therefore, we, he's saying that, that if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And what, do you, what, you're, what you have to understand is when we judge ourselves, that requires confession and confession means agreeing with god you see that's what judging is when we come and we see an area within our life is where we're confessing that god i know this this uncontrolled anger i have is wrong and it's a sin against you god i know these lustful thoughts that i have are wrong and they're a sin against you where i'm confessing that that god i'm confessing that this wrong behavior in my life is against you as a matter of fact confession is so powerful the bible says if we would confess our sins he 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 says this in in first john 1 9 if we would confess our sins if we would agree with god about our sins then what he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanses from all unrighteousness. And you cannot honestly judge yourself without the idea of confession. Because that is where we're calling our sin a sin. Isn't it funny how we like to rename our sins today? That, that you know, sins that, that, that are an offense to God, we rename them so they don't sound so bad folks it doesn't change god's mind about it we can call it anything we want to but folks to god sin sin adultery is adultery fornication is fornication you can call it whatever you want to bitterness is bitterness you can call it whatever you want to but god calls it sin but When we begin to judge ourselves and begin to turn the spotlight upon our own lives and we begin to recognize and call our sin for what God calls it, that's when we begin to confess our sins and we begin to confess our sins, what we're doing is judging ourselves. He says, if you would judge yourselves, then you would not be judged. I think it's kind of interesting that You know, how foolish it for us is is for us to try to hide our sins from God. Now, I can hide, you know, a lot of times I can hide my sins from other people. Folks, how can I hide my sin from the God who knows all things? How can I hide my sin from the the, the God who sees all things? How, How stupid is that? But when God says, listen, if you would just go ahead and judge yourself, then I won't have to judge you and it will free you from condemnation and I, I i i encourage you today to stop and i challenge you today i challenge you today to judge yourselves and begin to confess your sins and take them before god and deal with them wow but you know there's other things there's no doubt about it, it it, it, it addresses that issue about about setting us free from God's condemnation because what we what we are doing is condemning ourselves. But there's some other things that when we judge ourselves is judging ourselves also is really the first step in, in, in a person's recovery or restoration. The first step. One thing about Celebrate Recovery that they'll tell you that one of the most important things that you, before a, a person began to be set free from their addiction or anything that has a hold on their life is, again, they need to confess that. That's why if you ever go to a, a Celebrate Recovery meeting, you've heard some of them being here, you know, they'll stand up, I'm John Rollerson. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, but I deal with a judgmental spirit. I deal with fear. I deal with anger because what you're doing is you're putting it out there and 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 you you you're not proud of it but folks it is what it is. And until you begin to agree that I've got an issue within my life that's against God, I can never begin to work on that issue. And why not go ahead and say it because God already knows it. But every relationship that we have that is broken, the only way that relationship's going to be restored until there's some Becomes to be some honest confession that I was wrong. See, it's so easy within a relationship for a person or for for me to tell you everything that's wrong with my wife. Folks, I don't need to concern myself so much what's wrong with my wife. I need to concern myself what's wrong with me. I need to judge myself. If you sit down with someone and they begin to rattle off what's wrong with everyone else, then you understand that you're standing before a person that has got a lot of problems in their own life. And they will never be corrected of those issues until they begin to to first admit that, hey, I've got issues in my life. I need to deal with my issues. That's going to be the first step of any recovery. That's going to be the first step of any restoration that goes on within your life between you and other people, between you and yourself, between you and God. Is saying, saying God, I need you. I've got, I, my life's messed up. I think about David. You know, when, when, when David had sinned, a horrible sin against Bathsheba, and, 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 then, and then her husband and, and David tried to hide it and pretend it wasn't there. What did that happen? I, I just I put this verse down to, to, to show you what happens when we try to hold ourselves in. It doesn't go away, folks. Our sin does not go away. As a matter of fact, David says, When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned to the drought of the summer. So long, I acknowledge my sin to you. When I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity I have not hit, and I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and then you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Before I confessed my sin, before I judged myself, my bones were just aching. I was miserable. But when I confessed, when I agreed with you, God, when I judged myself that my sin is wrong, then you forgave my iniquity. That was the first step of the healing process. I think about the the wayward son, what we call the prodigal son. The one who turned away from his dad and the one who spent all of his dad's fortune. But the Bible says when he finally got into that pig pen and the only way he had is to look up, the Bible says he came to himself. I like that. And he says, I will arise and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Folks, there's a lot of us that needs that type of humility in our lives where we go to the father and say, God, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. All I can do is hope for your mercy. But, folks, that is the very first step of healing that's within our life. That's the very first step of restoration that that happens in our life when we would stop and judge ourselves that I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. Hard to do, folks. I admit it. It's hard to do because we have a selfish nature within us that just is crying out, no, there's nothing wrong with you. You're okay. Look what other people are. You're better than those other people around there. Folks, you cannot, it's not about the others. Judge yourself so that you know not be judged. You know what judging ourselves also requires? It requires complete honesty. Complete honesty. I think if we would admit to ourselves that Most of us are pretty good at lying to ourselves. We're pretty good at saying, well, well, that which I'm doing is not really so wrong, or that does not really matter with God. We're just lying to ourselves. Now, John, he speaks pretty bluntly. He says in 1 John 1, 8 through 10, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. (laughs) If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. We make God a liar. Why? Because God says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And his word is not in us. Folks, that's pretty plain stuff. If we sit back and say, I'm okay, There's not, I don't really have any issues in my life, then what we're saying, God, you're a liar. Not only are you saying God's a liar, but you're a liar yourself. Because we all have issues within our life. And so to judge ourselves, takes it forces us to be completely honest with ourselves and to be honest with God. And sometimes the truth Scares us, doesn't it? I think one of the hardest things, I think one of the hardest things, most difficult things in our spiritual walk is when we come and we begin to admit those areas in our life that we've tucked away for so long. That God, I've got this issue in my life. That God, I've got a spirit of anger that just, just, just just deals with me and it's ruining my whole family it's so easy to ignore that it's so easy it's so much easier to live in denial but it never addresses the problem and so if we are to truly judge ourselves we need to get we need to get dreadfully honest with ourselves even until it hurts and it's going to hurt what I've seen so many times is when we get honest in that one issue of our life, it's going to get you to your knees. And it's going to touch a spot in your heart that's going to hurt, and you're probably going to break out in tears because that's, that has festered in your life for so long. Also, judging ourselves is required in our spiritual growth. We are called to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the verse where, where, where Paul is, is challenging the church of, 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 of Rome after he gave the, the great treaties of, of, um, of salvation. He says, where I beseech you, my brethren, to, live, you know, to give our lives as living sacrifices into the Lord, which is our reasonable services. It's totally laying ourselves on the altar. And he says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And folks, anytime we begin to conform ourselves, it's not easy. That's the, that's the idea of God taking a, a, us as, as clay and he's just molding us into that which he wants us to be. And he's putting us in the fire and he's, 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 he's turning up the heat in the kiln. But that's the only way we can grow as believers the apostle paul calls it in in colossians is taking off the old and putting on the new i love the story that i, I heard just this past week that you know we we had a very you, wasn't that wasn't that a great christmas program man it was terrific Boy, everybody's, you know, clapping and standing and patting everybody on the back. And, you know, we just high it, man. We're all great hearing all this stuff. And, and they got together. The leaders did. John and Terry and them says, you know, let's, let's stop and examine these things. And, you know, it, one thing is hard is when everybody's patting you on the back, it's hard to see any of you wrong. You know, when, when boy, and everybody's just feeding us how good we are, it kind of blinds you to issues. Now, thank God for Terry because I heard Terry, yeah, I heard that Terry says, I want to know all the negatives because I can't correct them until I know them. I love that, Terry. And see, and that's what we need to do in our own lives. Again, sometimes, you know, we love everybody telling us how good we are. And so, therefore, it's very, so very easy to kind of just push away the negatives in our life. And so, therefore, we deceive ourselves. But folks, until we correct those negatives, we can never grow to be more like Jesus Christ. And that's what growing to be more like Jesus is is, is, is addressing those negatives within our life, getting them out of our life so we can be more like him. And, and that's what judging ourselves is, yeah God thank God, you know, thank God that I'm not the man I used to be, but I'm not where I need to be though. You know, we, we all have room to grow. And, and 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 the only way that we're going to grow is in is where we address those areas in our life that we know are still not where we need to be. And guess what? Every one of us in this place can sit down, and if we took a pad, we could begin to write some things down that we know we need to work on a little bit. See, you'll never grow. But then also, and lastly. When we begin to honestly judge ourselves, it forces us to the cross. Because when we begin to honestly look at ourselves and look deep within, it realizes how unworthy we are and how much we need Jesus Christ. We realize that that our life, you know, within ourselves is offensive to God and it makes me run as fast to the cross as I can. Because it's through the cross that paid my sin. It's through the cross that Jesus did for me what I can't do for myself. And again, I might fool other people, but I'm not fooling God. And in all honesty, I'm not fooling myself because deep within, I know those issues in my life. And oh, it makes the cross that much more precious. Oh, Jesus, keep me near the cross. There's a precious fountain. And it just forces me forces me to lean on the cross. And so as we come to the end of this new year I think it's a, a great time as we start and we, we begin to look forward to next year I, I encourage you to stop and, and and take a look at your own selves. Wouldn't it be great if we would begin to be starting today be honest with ourselves and and and, and Addressing those things and calling those sin within our life what God calls them, and begin to lay them on the altar so that we can walk into the new year without that extra load. I also came to mind as I closed that. It, it's always fun to me as I've been on many many mission trips, and so we've tried to down to Honduras many 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 times and it you, it doesn't take all you have to do is to see the amount of luggage you see how many people's how many times a person's been down to Honduras because if you see a person that has that maybe that's their first trip to Honduras man they got a piece of luggage and even though it's supposed to be a 50 pound weight they they tried to they try to take one piece of luggage and jam 950 pounds in that thing they they take hair curlers and all that stuff in there and I'm, I'm not you know I'm not saying you know who but just all kind of stuff. You know, and boy I, I gotta have a pair of jeans for every day and you know what, I better take a couple of shirts, you know. We never don't know if we're gonna go out and all of this stuff, and, and man, you cram everything you can. But after you've been going for a times, you say, This is crazy. I get tired of dragging all this through the airport, so. Brother Sam, I'm going to take me one pair of jeans, and them baby better last me all week long. And I'm not going to intend on bringing them back because they're going to be so bad, I'm going to leave them down there. You know what? I'm going to give me a little tube of toothpaste, and I'm going to, you know, hey, I I don't care. Me, I don't need a hair dryer anyhow, but, you know, I, I don't need any of this stuff. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, you see, some. I've seen some of these guys walk down there. They have everything in, the, in a duffel in a bag, in a, in, a, in a backpack. Because they realize, I don't want to take all that baggage with me. And so what they've done is they've went through and they've sorted, this is what I need and this is what I don't need. And I tell you, as we go into 2016, something to be wise for all of us is to get into our own lives. And begin to sort through our own lives very thoroughly and say, you know what? I don't want to take this in 2016 with me. We begin to judge our lives. And I'm not going to carry that baggage next year with me. Because, folks, until you deal with it, it's going to be baggage in your life. And why don't you leave it in 2015? I can promise you it's going to make 2016 that much better. But the only person that can do that is yourself. If we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Folks, Jesus has come that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly. And he does not want us to deal with all that stuff. He says, bring it to me. And in just a moment, we're going to pray. And we're going to just, just have a time of invitation. Because What I'm going to invite you to do is to stop and examine yourselves. God, is there any stuff in my life that I, I want to leave? Any stuff that, God, I know that's not pleasing to you. God, I'm just going to confess it. I want to lay out this order, and I want to let you do what you, you know, that, God, I want to walk into the next year set free from that stuff. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Or maybe you're here today, you've never met Christ as your Lord. I invite you to Jesus Christ today. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, Lord. We just thank you for this time. God, I just pray that you'd bless us this time of of altar, that God, that today, that that Lord, that you would deal with us, and Lord, that, that we would just judge ourselves, and God, that we'd be set free. We love you, Lord. Do what you want to do. In Christ's name, amen.